Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. And welcome into the Housing Hour. The Housing Hour is brought to you by and presented by Mortgage Investors Group. I'm Mark Griffith, hosting for today for Kevin Ray, who cannot be with us, but we will continue. And uh, to my right, I've got guest co-host, because I needed to fill that chair, with Richard Swan, friend, colleague, and radio personality somewhere in this town, too. Always available to fill a chair, you know. It's kind of like, can you fog a mirror? Okay, then you can do a loan. So so we'll give you a microphone. you got a platform. There you (laughs) go. So that's good. And we've got a great show lined up. Before we get to our special guest, let me tell you how you can plug in. Thehousinghour.com is the treasure trove of information. We have all of our shows from, I don't know, eight years past. Everything that you could possibly want, we've got there including our guests have been on our shows several times um, at Facebook because we're social media hound dogs. I mean, we are the hounds of social media, Facebook slash the housing hour, Twitter at the housing hour and all the other social medias that I probably shouldn't be doing anything with <laughs> <laughs> nothing about them, but in guest studio with us, one of our sponsors of our show long time from the beginning of the day of this, uh, Terry Adams, Adams law firm, Admiral title. Welcome Terry. Thank you so much, Mark Richard. Good to see you, pal. Good to see you, Terry. It is awesome good to have you in, um, former run for governor. No, no, former run for United States Senate. I wanted you to be governor. I wanted you to run for governor. Yeah, U.S. State Senate. So uh, what so, did you learn? Terry, in that now process? you know why you lost the election. Yeah, I didn't. When you were running for Senate, he wrote Mark, you in for governor. <laughs> Mark was voting for me for governor. Yeah, That's that one vote that you lost. <laughs> well, so so my mistake. <laughs> um, tell me what it was like to run for for that. Man, uh, you know it's a fantastic experience. Uh, everybody should like throw their hat into the uh, into the ring and see what it's like to uh, to run. The most amazing thing is, you know, you go to 95 counties in this uh, in this state. There are all different kinds of people, and they're all great. You know, Tennesseans are strong, resilient human beings that uh, it makes you it makes you proud to to be from Tennessee. Amen. And what what do you think of you know all of your history? You're an attorney, mm-hmm. uh, so you've you've been through that. What made you think that you were prepared to do something like that? Well. You know, that, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I graduated from the University of Tennessee, uh, graduated from the, uh, graduated from uh, Memphis Law School, started my own business, uh, had 15 years of uh, experience doing that. I think that uh, my my fundamental philosophy about uh, about uh, representing uh, folks in Washington and, and in Nashville even uh, is that. You know, citizens should be the representatives. Uh, you know, we career politicians are not great for our democracy, uh, for our republic, or our society. Um, and so, I, I think that uh, you know, I, I was trying to be ex- an example to folks to say, uh, "Hey, you know, you, you can do it too." Uh, I don't think that uh, there's any golden halo on any uh, United States senator sitting up there now. I don't think that uh, any of them are any. Uh, better than any of the rest of us so uh, you know but what was that point in your life where i mean yes a very successful businessman Mm -hmm. successful attorney you got two businesses an incredible wife 
Phyllis Burnett, who is a dear friend, old MIG employee for years, very successful family. But at a certain point, the light just, you know, something switched in you and you say, I want to be a voice for the people. I mean, when, when, I mean, what, how does that happen? It, it, you know, the, the true story is, uh, that, uh, I was recruited by, uh, some folks in Nashville that had known me for years before, uh, I went to law school. I was a, uh, political consultant. I helped people, uh, run races for, uh, governor and senate and house representatives and things of that sort and uh, had been known as someone who understood the issues well um there was uh, a there was a profile that uh some folks who know about these things liked that i was a uh, business owner that i was a veteran uh and that uh you know i had some uh pretty strong, moderate views about uh, the way Tennesseans should be represented in Washington. And, uh, you know, the, some, the the kind of people who, uh, you know, asked people to run, uh, you know, put me in a room and said, hey, we think that you could do this. And, um, you know, I felt like. But, uh, I mean, but Terry, I, yeah. that's, a, that's a pretty big compliment. If mm-hmm. they put you in a room and say that this, you know, somebody from East Tennessee could run the three grand regions mm-hmm. and and represent them uh so you must be known uh, you have nashville background yep i mean that's a pretty hard it's a long state it's a long state and yeah and you know there there were some uh things that happened that were just serendipitous i mean uh you know i, I grew up in nashville i went to the university of tennessee i've stayed here for uh quite a long time uh then lived in memphis for for three years you know my uh, my roommate in college was uh, the son of an attorney in uh, in Memphis that turned out to be the mayor of Memphis. Uh, you know, there there were just connections that were that were all over the place that uh, you know that I didn't have any hand in in getting there. I mean, it. Yeah, it was kind of, you know that you know so, sometimes uh, the Lord works in mysterious ways, and sometimes you just get lucky. You yeah. know. Well, before that, um, let's take you back a little bit further. You, you have talk about your military service. You're very proud of your military service. Admiral Title is probably named after that type of service sure. because of that. Talk a little bit about um, at that point from high school. Did you go right into the military? Explain that to her. Yeah, so um, every – member of my family up until uh, every male member of my family up until me had uh, served in the, in the military so uh growing up there there were two things that i knew that i was going to do i was going to go to college and i was going to join the military um so i i joined uh the navy right out of high school actually i was still in high school i, I did an early enlistment program um went straight to boot camp um at the time in the 80s it was fantastic because they had something called the sea and air mariner program uh, which was built to put college educated people in the enlisted corps it was a it was a time uh for those of us that remember the 80s when uh, uh people were trying to build middle management and they they thought that that was a really good idea it didn't work in the military um because everybody who got their college degree quickly went to officer candidate school or, uh, you know, chose another route. They didn't want to stay in middle management. They wanted to move up. Uh, but this particular program allowed me to go to, uh, UT the next fall, go back and, uh, do my a school, uh, that, uh, following summer 
and uh, I ended up spending eight years in. Uh, had a wonderful time. I was a quartermaster. I was enlisted the whole time, um, but uh, certainly, certainly paved the way for things to come. And I got a treat for everyone. When they go to the housinghour.com, I've got a picture of you in uniform. Oh, Lord. Around the, and I got it off your <laughs> Facebook page. And I love it. And it's so, such a young Terry, but you look like a kid out of out of high school, but it looks. It looks fantastic. It looks like a picture from World War II, that type of setting, you know, but it's in color. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're getting older every day. <laughs> every day. Um, okay, so so that kind of gives me from high school. Let's move back a little bit because mm-hmm. this is something that I, I love looking at Facebook because when you look at somebody's Facebook feed, you can kind of tell a little bit about the person by what they post. Mm-hmm. I can tell a lot about a person from what they post. What you post is a lot of uh, sports, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of information, some bar association type of information that you're associated with, but also music. You're mm-hmm. a music lover. Oh, yeah. But you, this is deep in your roots. This is in your DNA because you have a famous mother. Uh, semi-famous, I'd she's say. Yeah. She's, yeah. But she's, she is. In, yeah. in the national country music field, she is known. Mm-hmm. I, wanted, I want you to tell us a little bit about your mom and how she got into the business and how that affected you. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I never knew a world without music. Um, it was a, a you know wonderful upbringing in Nashville. Uh, my mom, since she was 15 years old, uh, had been playing music, and uh, you know, she she learned to sing in the church. Um, and is she from Nashville? Uh, yes, she, yes, she's from Nashville. And, uh, you know, she would, uh, she would go down to, uh, the African American churches in Nashville and listen, um, and, and, you know, try to mimic the, the really great singers when she was a little girl. And, uh, she, she'd tell the story often about, uh, the first time she ever really heard country music. Uh, she heard Kitty Wells on the Grand Ole Opry uh-huh. and she said, uh, she goes, they call her Kitty, but she ain't no cat. And she wanted to be just like her. Um, she ended up, uh, having a pretty good, uh, career, uh, as a writer. Uh, she wrote a song called cry, cry, cry for Connie Smith. That was a big hit. And still, I think it's, uh, Connie's biggest hit, t- uh, to this day. And, um, you know, growing up around it, you know, they were, you know, s- semi-celebrities in our house, uh, from time to time, you, oh, wow. you know, that is, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. And I know that Johnny Cash did a cry, cry, cry. But your mom, Shirley Wood, wrote a special song Connie Smith sang. Yes. Listen to this as we go out on break. We'll be back after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And you're back in to the Housing Hour. I'm Mark Griffith. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Kevin Ray, the host, can't be here today. He's out on business travel. So I took over. Yes, we've taken over. (laughs) We're witnessing a coup. coup. Mutiny right here. Got my fellow pirateers, Richard Swan co-hosting, and Terry now, don't Adams. don't drag me into the pirateers. No, <laughs> you're in. You're in, brother. And Terry Adams, Adams Law Firm, and Admiral Title. We promise we're going to talk about title issues and all that. But, Terry, you've got a... 
fascinating, fascinating background, especially with your mom, Sherry Woods, and all that. As we came out of the hour, we listened to that song. Does that bring back any memories? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, we, uh, you know, like I said, there was never never a minute in our home that there wasn't music. I mean, I I don't remember. There were famous people. Sometimes famous people. Yeah. You know, we, she used to take me to a place called the Camel Country, uh, which was a bar in uh, downtown Nashville that all the big songwriters and, and uh, people of the day were around. She'd tell stories about uh, Loretta Lynn coming in and pulling her husband out of there and him hiding in the bathroom. and uh, I mean, just unbelievable stories. Uh, Jerry Reed was part of your mix? Yeah, uh, well, yes, I, I met Jerry Reed uh, on one occasion, on uh, one that I, I wouldn't share on the radio. Um <laughs> Out of respect for my mother, uh, but uh, yeah, you know Chris Christopherson, Johnny Cash. She was she was on the Johnny same. Uh, yeah, she. I mean, uh, she she was at the Grand Ole Opry playing uh, uh, one of the nights that he had to be uh, taken to the hospital. Oh. I mean, like uh, during the the really hard times uh, when he was just coming out of uh, the drug uh, binges and whatnot. But uh, I mean, she saw it all. You know, front front row seat, and, uh, and you know was part of it. Uh, was uh, did she have a, a an instrument that she was particular that she played in the stage or yeah she was a guitar player oh she was a guitar yeah and actually you do. yeah and, and her her story on guitars she was uh, doing a duo with uh, Eddie Rabbit and they had a band together Eddie Rabbit you gotta be kidding yeah and uh, and so uh, when she would bring her songs uh, Eddie would not. Every which way but loose, Eddie Rabbit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what's the? Uh, I love a rainy night. I love you know, a rainy uh, night. Yeah, that's it. Um, and so uh, Eddie wouldn't learn the guitar parts like she wanted him to learn them. So she just learned how to play the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> that that's is, that's Terry. This is what I mean. Eddie Rabbit is who I grew up with. You know, my father loved Johnny Cash, but Eddie Rabbit. I mean, he hit the scene in the seventies, mid seventies. There. Oh yeah. With uh, every which way but loose. I mean, yep. you know, and I love a rainy night. Yeah. Yeah, and she, you know, even Stevens wrote most of those songs for Eddie, and you know, uh, Mom was really good friends with Even, and you know, it was. It was I didn't realize that I thought Eddie wrote all this stuff. No, no, uh, Eddie's Eddie had uh, Eddie liked to be Eddie, so mm. you know. So, how many songs did your mom write? Oh, hundreds, hundreds, yeah. Recorded? Uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly how many. Um, I, you know, you can go on the BMI website uh, and look at Shirley Woods and Shirley Adams, uh, same person, and uh, it'll show you the ones that, that were cut. But, uh, you know, I mean, dozens cut, hundreds written. What does uh, your mom think about you now in the title business, attorney? She was uh, pretty proud. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can do no wrong. She's probably thinking, "I'm glad you didn't stay in the music business." Well, I'm still in the music business a bit. We've got a, yeah, we've got an office on Music Row. We represent songwriters and, uh, and musicians in Nashville, and uh, and locally here. I, I've played uh, locally for you know, uh, going on three decades now. And uh, matter of fact, uh, you'll catch us on mile six uh, doing a uh, a songwriters round at the Knoxville Marathon. Uh, oh, c- coming up uh, for the uh, the Covenant Health Marathon. Yeah. Yep, on March 29th. On March 29th, we'll be at Mile Six, and uh, there'll be donuts and singer songwriter stuff. Hey, next week we're going to do Jason Altman, who is kind of heads up the marathon, so he's yeah. going to come on our show with us. Well, that's awesome. So you love to sing and perform and all that, and do attorney work. Sure, absolutely. So you know all the the infringements and uh, laws and patent laws and uh, yeah uh, yeah intellectual property. It's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. And so you write your music too, right? Yes. Yeah. 
So that's awesome. Maybe one time, Richard, we can get him to bring the guitar and get him to perform on air. Oh, I'd love it. I'd do it in a heartbeat. Absolutely. You have helped support a lot of local artists and musicians. You have them play for events that you host, and you you support them in other ways. So you are still very involved in music, and and still that's a big part of your life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my wife and I just produced a record for a a guy in Nashville who uh, we met here. Um, You know, just excited as we can possibly be about that that possibility. And what's the name of the album? uh, Well, uh, we're we're going to keep it on the lowdown because there's a there's a release and all all that kind of thing. But it's a it's a it'll be big, and it's all about him. It's not about me. Excellent. So, yeah. well, so can, when, when you can talk about it, will you come back on there and talk about oh, it? Oh, absolutely. Maybe we'll get him in here. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. That would be so much fun. All right. So let's switch gears a little bit and do what you your passion is, title business, attorneys. And I know that um, Admiral Title is one of those companies that I've used, Richard's used, our company has used for a very, very long time because you guys are so good. Um, really pay attention to detail, quality of work, and really get the job done. Um, there's no excuses of we can't do this today. I mean, it's it doesn't matter when the day is or what the holiday is. It'll get closed. If it has to get closed, Phyllis will make it closed. And right. Phyllis Burnett, your your wife, she kind of runs Admiral Title. Would you say is that? Right. She helps me absolutely. Yeah. 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 So you guys are a, a good team there. What's it like? Uh, operating two phases of the business you're at adam's law firm right with the same you know adam admiral title mm-hmm. how is that difficult or is that a natural thing um well so the the story is we you know i i started admiral title and, and the adam's law firm the same day and it was me and a dell computer and no furniture um so I've had one of those beginnings too yeah so i mean it started out with one um and then it grew to a couple and then uh from there uh, it it blossomed over the years um it's a big difference to uh run a company with uh you know one or two people and uh as opposed to one with 30 employees um so uh, you know on a scale of difficulty you know you kind of don't even think about that you just go in and you you do what you know you need to do i mean uh the reason why our service is so exemplary has everything to do with phyllis uh, you know, she was a top producer at Mortgage Investors uh, for 17 years. And, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about before we opened Admiral Title uh, was that there was there was room for people to do it a, a better way to know what what do the what do the real estate agents and the loan officers expect you to do when there's a problem? How do you handle that? Um, you know, that anybody who's ever been involved in a closing that kind of went awry uh, can put their finger on, you know, one or two issues that could have been fixed beforehand. And a lot of it is just being proactive and understanding the process from the banking side, from the real estate agent side, and then knowing that the ultimate uh, thing that we're all trying to do is we're trying to provide exemplary services for that consumer to make sure they have the best experience that they can possibly have so they come back and they use us again. Yeah. And I don't think, Richard, people realize in the, in the mortgage business when we have a closing and we turn over the title work to the title company, all the possible things that could go wrong 
on the title side mm-hmm. of this. I mean, it's endless of the problems. And 99% of the times, the customer will never know that there's issues because you guys will take care of those issues. But but there are a, a long list of things that can go wrong. For example, so let's start the questioning. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if you were looking at some of the top things that go wrong in it, I, I see, you know, clerical errors in titles and, and things. How difficult is it when you do title searches and you find clerical errors and filings of liens or uh, a notary seal that's expired or banned. These are little details in bigger pieces. How do you catch all of that, and how do you deal with it? Well, so so you catch it doing a, a title search, you know, abstract a title. Um, all of our title uh, work is, is done by attorneys. Um, so it's done right in the first place. So then when we get that abstract of title, we'll see what, what liens are out there what, or if there are any other problems that uh, that we're going to have to deal with. Once we see what we have to do, that, you know, then it's triage. You go, you go straight into, uh, you know, different times have different problems. You know, 2005, uh, 6, and 7, when we were booming, caused all kinds of title problems. Oh 2008, 9, and 10, when everything tanked, caused a whole slew of other problems. So depending on the last time that uh, property was closed, it, it, there's no telling what the, what's out there. You know, if you you get a unreleased lien from a bank that went under during uh, the mortgage meltdown, one. you got to know what to do to get that thing released. And, you know, our team knows exactly what to do when those, those kind of things come up. And sometimes it's putting in a lot of time, work, effort, and energy. You just to, don't realize it um, because we've yeah. had customers come in, sellers in, from other title companies, uh, you know, come in with those problems and they said, you know, what do I do? I said, well, you should have called Admiral Title when they come in. Yeah. We, you're off <laughs> right next to mine. Hey, look, when we come back on the other side of this break, we're going to start up with this. Richard has a list of questions he has asked. So we're going to continue with this. Terry Adams in the house, Adams Law Firm, Adams Title. We'll be back. Turn that country music up. <laughs> so I decided right then and there, I was going to do what's right. Give her her fair share. But brother, I didn't know her share was going to be that much. She got the gold mine. I got the share. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. You're back into the Housing Hour. This is Mark Griffith. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And in studio with us is Terry Adams and Richard Swan. So uh, we're quizzing Terry about law firms and stuff, but really we're talking about music. After the we go on break, we go back to uh, the music thing and, and all the recordings. You're very heavy into that, and I think uh, another show, I think we're going to get into this even more. Sure. Maybe get your guitar out here and let you sing a lick or two. We'll do it. Okay. I figured yeah. you would. But uh, Richard, ask a question, because I know you've got some burning questions about okay. title business. One thing that's great about title companies is if a deal doesn't close... You all don't expect to get paid, but that's money invested that you've got your time. You've got, you've researched the title and maybe you come up and you, you can't fix that title. Right. Well, the, the buyer doesn't have to pay for that. Buyer still has to pay for an appraiser. Their home inspector gets paid. All of that gets paid. We don't get paid and you don't get paid unless the deal actually closes. And that's what a lot of people don't know. They think we're just getting paid for talking to them and being there, but we get paid when the deal actually closes. And that's what we like doing our job and spend time doing that. Now let's talk about, because I've spent years 
and I spend probably each time I talk with a customer, I spend probably about five or 10 minutes talking with them about how important title insurance is. Mm -hmm. The lender is required to carry it in the state of Tennessee. And we carry the brunt of that because most people are doing 95% loans, hundred percent loans. So the title insurance for the owner is relatively cheap and it protects them not only while they own the home, but even after they sell the home. Mm -hmm. And I've never had a customer come back to me and say, well, we had an issue with our title, but most of my customers, probably 90% buy the title insurance because I really recommend it to them. But in Tennessee, there are a lot of things that are not required to be of record Mm -hmm. that still can affect title. Marriages and divorces, wills that may be out there on a property that get found years later. Tell us how some of those things aren't required to be on title, but they can affect the chain of title or can mess up your title going forward. Well, Richard, my my favorite story about that is one of the very first closings that I ever did um, was uh, a father had passed away. He had six kids. Five of those children were all in their 60s. One was in her 20s. The uh, the five siblings did not meet the sibling in their 20s until after father had passed away. And uh, they go through going through his stuff. They, they found out that, you know, he, he had had a relationship with a person in Florida um, and, and had this child and never told anybody about it. Uh, fortunately, they found her because if they would not have and she was just an unknown heir. Nobody, you know, nothing, nothing on record, you know, there's nothing in the, uh, you know, when you do a title search to show that you, this person has six kids instead of five. Um, when that property was purchased by, by the, the buyer, that person would have only gotten five sixths of what that property was. Yeah. And that, that missing heir would have always been out there. Uh, that's why, I mean, when banks... And insurance companies do things, you probably should do them too because banks and insurance companies make money. Yep. And banks require title insurance because they know that's the biggest risk out there. Uh, people people can say, well, I know that this has been part of uh, such and such as uh, family for so many years and all this kind of thing. It doesn't matter because we don't know what those uh, previous owners have done in the past. We don't know. Uh, we don't know what we don't know. Yep. And that's the kind of thing that uh, title insurance covers. What, one of the great part, things about it is I, I explain to people, you know, if you wreck your car today, you can't go to Allstate and get an insurance policy that will pay for that previous wreck. Absolutely. But a title insurance uh, policy will pay for that previous wreck. Yeah. Well, and it'll, it'll protect you going forward, and even it makes it easier if somebody has had title insurance on the property before, doesn't it make it easier for you all to write a new policy? Absolutely. Because they 100%. have it and it's covered. So you know that, that there's somebody to go back on. Exactly. You know, anybody that has ever had, you know, uh, insurance problems, you, you know, a gap in coverage is problematic. You never want to see a gap in coverage uh, in the title industry or in, in any other industry, uh, if you possibly can. So let me let me ask a question here because what Richard brings up and you're addressing just put a uh, just went off in my mind mm-hmm. in this missing air um, with now you have everyone getting tested with DNA mm-hmm. 
heirs, missing family members are being discovered all the time. Mm-hmm. My wife does research for some groups to help find missing people. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually it's because of somebody in the past had had you know a child and mm-hmm. didn't realize whatever. Do they have a claim in property and sellers going forward? Absolutely. You can only convey what you can convey. Oh my so so if you know if you and your brother conveyed your father's estate but your father had a child from that, that you didn't know about but we found him on 23 and me you can't com- you can't convey what they have oh my God. so that person's still entitled is this has this come up yet uh, well i've had it in dna i've had it come up on one not that particular situation but I had a couple that did a cash-out refinance. They wanted to go buy another property. So they went and they found this little investment property that was a foreclosure. And they were doing the title work, and they found that the husband was still on title. But nobody, the bank had never gotten him to sign on the mortgage. But he was still on title to the property, and mm-hmm. the bank was foreclosing on the wife. Well, the guy was in prison. So they took time out. They drove up there. They talked to him. He said, I thought I got rid of that a long time ago. You know, they gave him $100. He signed over their claim to hint to them. Right. And so then they went to the bank and they said, we own half that house now. How do you want to proceed with this foreclosure? Hmm. Because they owned his interest at that point. And the wife had been foreclosed on, so they made a deal with him and they sold it to him for like half of what was really old because they never really did their part. And and that brings up marriages and divorces. Let's say somebody buys it as a single person. Mm-hmm. They get married. They get divorced while they own the house. And then they sell the house. They're still a single person. That marriage and divorce doesn't ever necessarily show up on the title, even right. though in Tennessee everyone has a marital interest in your primary residence, in the home that you live in. That's correct. So how do you all deal with that or have you had issues come up with that and well you know we're always uh, having a conversation with the sellers of the property you know we're we're asking those questions on the front end uh we're doing everything that we possibly can to uh, to get all the information that we can possibly uh, obtain uh but the the problem is if you go back in time and this is where you know it it gets really difficult this is why you have to have an insurance policy it's why you know we're not going to close your deal unless you're going to buy title insurance um because there are things out there that you just can't know. I mean, if if that same situation, you know, happened uh, 20 years ago or, or 10 years ago, you know, back in the chain of title and, you know, these people only had, had the property for two or three years, you're just not going to know. Yeah. You're just not going to know. And those are the kind of things that the title insurance covers. And title insurance is required by the mortgage company, typically, if there's a mortgage involved. To cover the, the mortgage company's interest, not exactly. the owner's interest. So so there's two separate policies. Yeah. And, and you're specifically speaking that the owner, the buyer of that home, needs to buy their own title insurance. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I recommend that to all my borrowers because your mortgage is a declining thing. Mm-hmm. So, And we're only going to make sure that we protect our interest. But and, your equity's and, growing. And we can't do anything to protect your interest because our title insurance is only going to pay us on the mortgage. It's right. not going to pay the mortgage and then the equity that the borrower, the owner has built up. So, Yeah, and, and one of the big things that people uh, should know and understand, you know, when, when you get a title insurance policy on a piece of raw land, 
that's not going to cover the the uh, value of the property if you improve the property. So you need to make sure that you call your title insurance agent and say, hey, you know, I just put a house on this, and so you know, I, I definitely need to to go ahead and increase uh, my my Ex- policy extra cost exactly. So, but it's not a lot. It's not it's not very much. It's not very. But if you heard that tip from Terry Adams, this is significantly important to understand that if your equity grows on that property for whatever improvement you've done since you first bought an, uh, a policy, uh, owner's policy, if it grows just because of the increase of appreciation, you're not covered unless you get it updated. Right. That's correct. That is so important and it's a, it's a must to understand. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, so I mean, uh, but you, with these fears of these DNA testing, you find a lost son. I mean, there's a lot of them looking uh, for their fathers, and they find them. They might have an interest in the property. That just kind of blows my mind. Yeah, uh, and, and you opening there all the more reason to, to make sure you got a title insurance policy. To get a title policy. All right. When we come back after these next set of messages, um, we've got segment four with Terry Adams in the house explaining it all to us. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Richard Swan's going to be asking more of the questions, too. <laughs> so, anyway, we'll be back after these messages. For the interrogation. For the interrogation. <laughs> I Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is the last segment that we have with Terry Adams in the house, and we so appreciate you coming in and sharing everything with us. Uh, these stories after the we go off air. <laughs> um, I love it. I love the, the music stuff on it. So I appreciate you sharing that. Like I said, we'll get you back in. But we are talking about title, your business, Admiral Title, and all the things that we find. Um, you know, we're talking about lost heirs, and that becomes a, a big problem. Richard, what do you see also as some issues in the in the title business? Let's Let's talk about surveys and property boundary Ooh, lines relatively relative that was on my to list too. title insurance. Um, I've heard some that if it's in a city like where it is surveyed and everything is set by the city, then the title insurance covers your boundary line. I've heard some say that, no, you've got to have a survey at the time to, for that. Tell us a little bit about how surveys and, and if boundary lines are covered with the average title insurance policy. All right, the average policy is not going to cover uh, survey issues, okay. um, but you anybody can buy an enhanced policy. Um, so an enhanced owner's policy uh, will co- cover several of those issues and a bunch of other things that uh, that the typical policy does not cover. Um, I, I will tell you from the uh, the other side of my business, the the attorney side of the business, you are crazy to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on something that you're not sure what you bought. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would never, ever, ever, ever buy a piece of property that I didn't get a survey on. Uh, you should do it too. I'm advising everybody that's listening right now, get a survey. Uh, there are plenty of uh, states that would re- that require a survey for every time you uh, a property changes hands, and there's a really good reason for that. Tennessee just doesn't do it. It's not the law, but that doesn't mean it's not smart. Right. Well, and, 
and things aren't required to be recorded against title, which I think they should be. Marriages, divorces, bills, I think should be recorded against title of property because where else are you going to find how that impacts the property going forward if you're not required to file everything that could affect it? Yeah, yeah. So um, I bought a lot recently, and I had a survey done on that Mm -hmm. um, just because I wanted to make sure where my boundaries were. But um, tell us a little bit about... um, how long a company, a mortgage company, a uh, bank has to file a lien once they uh, lend money on a property? How long do they then have to file that lien before the lien can no longer be filed if there is isn't? You never have to file it. Okay. Um, you know, so what, what Tennessee is, uh, it's a race notice jurisdiction. And filing your uh, your in Tennessee, if it's a mortgage company, you're going to file a deed of trust that puts the world on notice that you have a lien against the property. Uh, when, but, but the deed of trust does not necessarily have to be recorded. I mean, you, they still owe the money, and you still have a lien on the property. The problem is, if you don't record it immediately, if somebody else record something then they take priority over your lien that's that's what race notice means so um so you got to get to the courthouse first for your uh, lien to be in first position okay is are most states uh run to the courthouse yes mainly yes mainly Mm -hmm. um what what about uh you know when you have notice of completions on new construction like this Mm -hmm. and um but you also but if you own your home and you have workmen come to your house. Mm-hmm. Are there anything that uh, those workmen can do if you have a dispute of work that was done and it doesn't resolve? And the uh, the, the contractor says you owe me. Uh, what are there? What happens in that case? Have you ever seen mechanic type liens? Oh yeah, I mean we see mechanic liens. Like well, you know we. Uh, we litigate them first, first and foremost. You know, so we we represent homeowners and we represent uh, people who work on homes. Um, so, that what material men in Tennessee have a lot of power when it comes to uh, being able to put a lien down and collect um, money that's owed to them. If uh, if a person makes improvement to real property as a material man, you know, in the course of their own business, then then they have a lien against your property until you pay them. Uh, there's a process that you have to go by uh, in order to be able to collect on that lien, and, it, and it's it gets really complicated depending on whether or not it's a, a contractor or a sub and that kind of thing. But uh, suffice it to say, uh, you you know, and you better have a good reason not to be paying your uh, your folks that are working on your property. But you're using the term material men. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is required of a contractor? It, it, does he have to be licensed in order to have a legitimate lien to be uh, mechanics lien to be placed on there? Or can any Joe that comes off the road says, hey, I'd like to do some work on your gutters and you hire him. Say, sure, get up there and he does it. But you don't pay him. Can he file a lien? Yes. Yes. Joe, 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 the gutter guy could file a lien. Wow. So anybody can. So it really is important to make sure who you let on your property, you know, is reputable. Well, it's what's important is to make sure you 
you know, you pay people um, when they're supposed to be paid. But there's a lot of scams. You know, guys come uh, and they say, I'm going to I'm gonna do this for 50 bucks, and then they say, hey, no, it's 100 No, you said 50 Yeah, well, you know, you, you file that uh, that mechanics lien under penalty of perjury. And if somebody somebody does that, you call us, and uh, we'll, we'll make go. sure that that's the last time that they ever do that. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. Well, yeah. and, and also, it, it makes you wonder, as a homeowner, if you're ever going to pay anybody cash again without getting a receipt. You know, I want a receipt that you did the work. I want a receipt that it's I paid It's kind of scary. So that I well, have that to show that. That's, that's really, I mean, you should do that as, I mean, that your your general due diligence should, you know, that should be a, a thing. And to be honest with you, I mean, anymore, most of the, the reputable folks out there now are, are they're taking credit cards at, at the job site. I mean, I've had some work done on my house in the last couple of weeks and uh, they didn't want to check. They, they wanted to run my credit card right there. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, then I've, I've got a paper trail. They've got a paper trail. Uh, there's no confusion as to whether or not, you know, somebody got paid what the invoice was or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, most of the time uh, these issues arise because people are unhappy with the work that's done. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, that that's really where the problem comes in. And then you have to file a lien. And then once you file the lien, uh, you know, litigation can ensue um but uh you know it, it, all of those are very fact specific kind of issues but you know just know they got a they got a year to file Terry. falls on both sides because there's some homeowners that you're never going to please and there's some contractors that are never going to get the job right you know oh, that's that, right that's just you've got to use common sense when you're talking with people when you're listening to people what they're telling you what they're going to do and get as much as possible in writing no, absolutely. So you know what the boundaries are. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, in the last few minutes here, what, tell us your perspective, some of the most important things that a homeowner should know out there when they're buying a home in relations to what you do and the protection of that. What's, what are some of your takeaways? Well, the most important thing is the contract. Um, you know, when you, if you're buying a house, you know, e- everything needs to be in the contract, and you need to know like that – you know, your deal is going to be within the four corners of that document. So, you know, never allowing somebody to say that they're going to do something that's not in the contract. You can't have a contract for uh, land in the state of Tennessee unless it's in writing. So, like, all these promises and whatnot that are ancillary to the contract, they just have to go in there. Uh, Really good uh, uh, real estate agents uh, make sure that that gets written in the special stipulations part of the TAR contract. Good lawyers uh, have this conversation over and over and over again with their client. Are you sure that everything's in there? Are you sure they hadn't promised you something else? Um, you know, the the next thing is making sure that you're doing your due diligence. Um, I, I went to buy a car when I was uh, about 19 years old, and I called my dad and I said, uh, "I said, what do you think?" And he said, "Well, I think y'all take it to a mechanic and uh, you know make sure it looks good." And I said, "Man, I, you know that's going to be 50 bucks." He says, "If you ain't got 50 bucks to have it checked out, you don't have 50 bucks to buy a car." Um, and so you know, I say that to say, you know, you, you need to make sure that you are doing your due diligence, that you're getting a survey, that you're uh, you know making sure that that land uh, perks. You're making sure that you know how. However, you're uh, you're getting water uh, that all of those kind of things are within code and they're there are they're right. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you get a really good home inspector out there to, to look at everything. You want to make sure that the contract is contingent upon 
uh, satisfactory findings of all these things. Um, and, you know, so there, there's a whole list and whole plethora of things uh, that we could talk about uh, with regards to, you know, that one individual closing. But those are the big ones. I mean, the, you know, those contingencies and making sure that you're doing your part, you know, that you're not going cheap. Because I'm telling you that the, the cases that I get where people spend tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees could have been prevented if they just have got, had gone out and got a proper inspection and they uh, had spent a little bit of money up front to make sure that they were getting what they thought they were getting. Right. And uh, the contract is a, is a big piece. Uh, but they have, you know, the, the Tennessee Associated Realtors have a pretty good contract. They it's, do. It's, they really do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty tight. Um, you don't think it's important that every contract written has an attorney. Um, is it, what, 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 every, uh, every attorney would tell you that if you're signing a contract, you ought to have an attorney look at it. But, you know, I think it'd be malpractice for an attorney not to say that. Okay. I was just so, trying to catch well, up. Yeah. <laughs> if you're dealing with a for sale by owner and they present you a contract that's not normal, you need to have an attorney look at that. Yeah. Well, this has been great advice. Terry Adams, thank you very much. Richard Swan, appreciate you guys coming in and stepping up and showing and teaching us and sharing music, too. Oh, I appreciate it. We'll get you on the show next time. We'll get more into that. But this is the Housing Hour. Thank you for joining us. Get our podcast on thehousinghour.com and share it with your families and friends. Thank you very much. See you next time. Searching for you. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also, check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.